Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and turn on notifications so that you will receive alerts when there are new episodes. Go get it. Been grinding for so long, I wake up and chase my goals. I go out and I go get it. How to code, that's all I know. I don't succeed, then I don't breathe. Success, what does it mean? If I conquer all my goals, then I'm living out my dream. Dig deep, go out and get it. Success Chronicles, compete until it's finished. Success Chronicles, go take care of your business. Success Chronicles, it's deeper than just winning. Success Chronicles. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Chip Baker coming to you with another episode of the Success Chronicles. Really excited about this one. I just want to put a warning out there. It's going to be hot, so get ready, okay? Uh, got Dr. Basil Moran uh, with us. Man, awesome guy. Uh, you know, excited to, to make positive change and education, doing some amazing things. I'm so thankful to have him on this episode of the Success Chronicles. So first... Thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Uh, brother, brother, brother Chip, thank you so much for having me be here, man. I, I'm excited that we've been following each other for a while. Yeah. And kind yeah. of played the cat and mouse game, but we're here now. And so we're getting ready to drop this knowledge on how to help people be successful, brother, because everybody has the opportunity and has a chance to do it. It's what you're going to do in your 24 hours a day to make sure that you get what you need. Come on. See, I tried, I tried to tell you. It's all right. Here it come. Here it come. <laughs> well, well, let's dive into it, man. Talk to us about your life story and uh, kind of track your story until now. Yeah, absolutely, man. It's a, it's a long story, so I'm going to try to make it as short as I can. But just, you know, growing up, um, I was born in Los Angeles. Um, it, it was a kind of a rough come up with my – both of my parents are from the country of Belize. So let me start off by saying that. Mm. They moved to the United States for a better life, right? Um, talk about third world country, been in Guatemala, Mexico, all in those places. Not the tourist spots, but the places where people really live, it's a struggle, right? So my parents moved there very young, grew up in Los Angeles. My dad was a pastor of a church, a small church, and again, just a, just a rough life. We never left the house unless we need to go to the grocery store or, you know, we're going to an event. And so um, it was rough. Um, you know, coming up, I don't ever remember riding a bike. I'll never remember doing anything because there was just so much death brother chip around us. Um, my aunt was killed in the drive-by. Um, and the day before Mother's Day, um, my father actually saw the Rodney King riots happening on, on the way from work and saw the, saw the brother being dragged out of his car. Um, and so it just was, it was, it was rough. It was hostile, the earthquakes. And so my dad said, we got to get our family out of, out of Los Angeles and, and go somewhere where it's safer. Um, so we moved all the way across the United States to Virginia, right? My dad had the opportunity to pass another church up there. So we went there and ironically, if you drive through the city, the, the nickname is a friendly city. <laughs> so <laughs> coming from where we came from to, you know, to now we're coming to Harrisonburg, it's now we're getting used to snow and cows and things I had never seen before. Um, but, but part of that, that journey, brother, is that I, when I moved to, we moved from Los Angeles to California, or excuse me, Los Angeles to Virginia, I still had that trauma with me. Right. And so even though I moved in second grade, I was reading on a kindergarten reading level in second grade. And it's astonishing because now even as a speaker, I don't even know if, if, if you, I'm sure you're aware because you're well versed, but um, in Virginia, do you know how they, how they expand jail cells and how they look to see how many more beds they need in the future? Yeah, the reading level. 
and elementary third grade school. literacy. Yeah, third grade literacy. Yeah, if, if you got a little bit of a stutter and you can't read a, a full sentence, they making a the jail cell there for you already. So you know, let's be real. They're making two for me because I'm already second grade, can't read, and I'm a black man. So let's just go ahead and make one, right? And so I had a lot of struggles coming up. Um, I, even myself as, as, as a student, I was put in an alternative school. I mean, just really struggled. And my academics was really, um, you know, you know, with kids, they run out of the classroom because they don't want to read out loud or just yeah. behavior things that happen with it. I had all those struggles. I had a reading specialist. And um, it, it wasn't really brother until like ninth grade that I had a teacher named Ms. Sankson. Um, we were in a ninth grade remedial reading and writing class. So I, I told you already, second grade kindergarten. So mm-hmm. my whole life I've been behind. And, you know, we got in this class and, and and she noticed something different from me right away. And I'll be honest with you, this was a middle-aged white woman, blonde hair, blue eyes. And she had a, a classroom full of 35 black and Hispanic boys. So her work was already cut out for her just from the jump. And, and I'm going to be real. We were the knuckleheads. It was the same group of us that came up to elementary all the way up. So we were the knuckleheads. And I, I make a joke, brother, that they put us all together so the rest of the school could have a chance to learn. Right? So she just came in there and barely did her job. Nobody would have said anything to her um, because they knew what she had to deal with. So, But she always always was on me. I couldn't do anything. If I, if I didn't turn my work in, she'd call my parents. Uh, if I, you know, cussed in class, she corrected me. If I disrespectful to her, she, she was always on me, but I could tell she cared about me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so it was really how she loved on me. How You know, I love Dr. Maya Angelou. It's not what you say, but it's how you make people feel. And it was my first teacher in all my years that I, I said, dang, like she kind of care, you know, like yeah. I'm treating her disrespectful and she actually kind of care about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, I, I finally got my, got myself together, you know, um, in Virginia, the uh, SOL for reading and writing is 11th grade. So I finally, because of the work of her in the 10th grade, I was able to be in a regular English class my junior year. And brother, what I'll say from that is what's interesting is I passed the SOL. And as she was walking past my classroom one day, I said, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have been able to do to do this regular English class. And so um, I say all of it to say that her, her, the way she made me feel, the way she handled me is the philosophy that I use every day on loving on kids and making sure kids have what they need. Um, and, and just kind of the fast forward, I then became um, a life skills teacher at an alternative school. I liked what I did. A mentor was I was a director of Boys and Girls Club, and I was kind of doing that job during the day just to make some money, to be honest with you. But I, I'll go back to that word purpose and calling. When you're called to do something, it, it, it's going to always find you, <laughs> right? It's going to always find you. And, and you know, I just, and I'll let you finish, but man, I want to expand on that a little bit more, yeah. you know, and, and I didn't tell you this, you know, my family was church folk and educators. Mm, so you already know. Yeah, with no S, so you, you, you know. Well, let me be flat, Jesus. <laughs> hey, so, uh, so, so when you said a calling, you know, mm-hmm. I'm a fourth generation educator and, you know, my family, that, so you know, I would hear my mother and my grandmother talk about, you know, to be a great teacher, it's a calling. To call you know, them. And, and I didn't know, you know, what that meant until I was in it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you see, you, know, you learn those transferable skills when you're young and you see your family do their thing and give service mm-hmm. that you don't realize that, oh man, it's in the blood. That's a calling. It's, it's, it's there, man. I, I, so <laughs> I'm glad you said that. So, so what's funny is because my dad is a pastor, he really was trying to groom me to be a youth pastor. 
right? Yeah. And I, so it's even with the youth, and you know, I had that had that kind of skill set. And what I told my dad later in life, we had a kind of a heart to heart one day. I said, Dad, what you don't understand is I'm ministering in these hallways. Mm-hmm. I, I might not have a Bible with me. I might not, you know what I'm saying? I might not be, but I'm ministering because you're right. showing these young men or young women how to how to act right. You're modeling what respect looks like. You're modeling how to advocate. You're, you're doing all these things, and that's the calling, right? And so especially when you're working with the kids who historically are marginalized, special ed, ELL, these are type of kids like, you know, I, I call it like a Walmart assembly line. It's easy to take them off the assembly line, put them in a damaged box, and keep them moving. Mm. But those are the kids who really need us, right? And I, I was that kid. And so for me to be who I am today, Right. There are plenty of, of basils, plenty of chips out here who we are to get. It's our job to find them and, and foster them or nurture them so they can be the best they can be. But they still need to be told that there's greatness in them. Yeah, you can do it. Yes, yes sir. You can. Yes, sir. Period. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> yeah. So so man, what are three things you've accomplished in your life that you're proud of? Wow, wow, wow. I was thinking about that before I got on, right? I said, what can I, what can I say? I think the, the main thing has just recently happened um, as me earning my doctoral degree. That has been, wow, brother. I, I mean, I, 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 out, of, out of undergrad, I've been in school for, for another eight years. <laughs> and, and I can tell you, I'm tired of school, but I, I understood the doorways that it would open and, and the impact it will allow me to have to have a greater impact on for students and, and, and to be a voice for the voiceless, right? And so for me, that has that's an honor because um, I'll be the, I'm the first of both sides of my family, um, right? But as well as um, the second thing I'm going to tell you kind of bleeds into is that I'm a black male educator. I'm proud of that. Um, you know, we are 2% of a teaching force, 2%. Mm-hmm. Right. And and it was funny is, you know, especially as being black men, they always tell us, don't be a statistic. Right. I, I wrote this in the book. It's me uh, from my, my feature part on there with Jeff Kopiak, or Jeff Kopiak right now about uh, it's me. I, I wrote in there. I don't want to be a statistic. That's what we were told coming up. Right. Don't go lock. Don't get locked up. Don't get this girl pregnant. And that's exactly what I became. But it was for the positive. Two percent of black male educators and two percent of people who hold terminal degrees. So it, it, it's, it's a blessing. And I'm honored that God allowed me to be able to accomplish that. And then my, my last thing I'll say is I'm really proud of being an ASB emerging leader because that has really opened up the doorways for me to be able to network with people um, who are doing incredible things across the nation. And it allows me, one of the things I always say is, is the hashtag iron sharpens iron. And so you got to be in the room around people who are doing the work and who are, who are stretching you. Right. I think, you know, we're saying if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong circle. Yeah. Right. So I love mm-hmm. being on people who make me think like, man, ooh, it's a new word or wow, I never thought about that for education or I never experienced the way you broke it down just now. And I love always learning. It's always about being a lifelong learner. So I love that I'm able to be in the presence and space of people who truly are, are have the heart for education. It's good stuff. And uh, <clears throat> you know, my one of my former pastors, I'm going to share this quote with you. And this is the quote I start with in my second book. Um, you know, it says our life moves at the speed of our relationships. Mm, write that down. Come on. Wow. <laughs> and I'll say it again. Our life moves at the speed of our relationships. And that's Pastor Danny Green. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's so true. You know, you just hit on, uh, you know, every opportunity 
uh, that I've had in my life, you know, I can I can probably say it wasn't because of my qualifications. Right. You know, it was right. because first off, I, I stretched myself and got out of my comfort zone to put myself in a situation to be around amazing people yeah. that makes me that make me push myself to be better. And then when you do that, man, I mean, you just get on the path of, okay, what you going to do now? Right, <laughs> Chill. right, right. <laughs> you know, let's go. Right, right, this right. doctor, what you going to do now? <laughs> That's it. That's it. You and, and you're right. And, and uh, so, wow. So if you can, so if you can allow me to, I'd like to expand upon question five right now, because that really is about, what you just spoke about just now, right? And I think the question was, what do you think it takes to achieve success, right? And so for me, it really ties into um, what you just now said about the relationships and having opportunities to sharpen with people. Well, this is what I'll say, um, and I heard it with Oprah Winfrey, that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. But I wouldn't even say luck, I'll just say success is when preparation meets opportunity. So what I'll say to you, Brother Chip, is that, you know, those relationships are key, but it was two things. It was your preparation aligned with your purpose that propelled you into those relationships that allowed those people to want to showcase you. You get what I'm saying? And that that's, that's the key right there for success. You got to be prepared you got to be ready. Think about, you know, you watch all these shows. They say, put me in, coach. If the coach, if we're down by five points and I got a minute on the clock, I'm not going to put in, I'm not going to put in my player that that's, that's struggling in practice. I'm not going to put in my player that I know when we're under pressure, you, you can't handle it. I'm going to put in my rock star, right? And the thing is, the rock star has shown preparation. They've shown over time, I can make that clutch shot when you need me to. And so that, that same thing applies to our lives as educators, our lives as, as men, our lives as humans. People are, are going to put you in or give you access to things that they know you're ready for it, right? And there are a lot of times we can be we can be pulled and stretched, but it's not until you're ready and you show the readiness for it. So I say for us, success is being ready. And the only person that can say you're ready or be ready for it is you. You got to get there. Man, I, um, <laughs> man, I'm over here on the organ like, duh, nah. <laughs> duh, nah. I almost hit the, break. I mean, I just, <laughs> I almost hit the, <laughs> what you know about that? Man, look, I'm telling you, man, I was, yeah, you got to be ready. You gotta be. Ready. You gotta be ready. That's it. You you heard Keita Jake say, say all the time, "Get ready, get ready, get ready." You gotta be ready for the opportunity in the moment. And when I, I know, I know when I heard Oprah Winfrey say that, the opportunities gonna come all day, and you wonder why some people, why some people just get there. Like why? Why do opportunities always come to them, right? And and at, at some point there is a groove and it comes with the name and it, and they know who you are. But everyone has to start somewhere. Right. I tell my kids about Michael Jordan. I said, you know, Michael Jordan got cut from JV team. I said, you you wearing J's right now. You'd be wearing Shaq's for sure or or some K-Swiss if, if Michael Jordan never got back on his horse and said, I'm going to try again after yeah. he had cut in eighth grade. Like, you wouldn't even know who he is. Yeah. So you got to try. <laughs> you got to keep getting up even when uh, – and I, I'll say this, for, for, for failure, you got to fall forward. And a lot of times the other part of success, Brother Chip, is – Failure 
is the feedback that t- to let you know what you got to do to keep moving forward. And I'm going to hit on, you know, talking about the opportunities, you know, being in the right place and being ready, you know, and, and opportunities bring opportunities. Mm, come on. Come on. There yeah. it is. You know, it's, it's cyclical. <laughs> you know, you know, if, mm. like you said, if you're ready for the opportunities and you maximize your potential each day and, and take advantage of every opportunity that you have and be in the moment and give your all, like people see that. Right. Mm-hmm. People see the consistencies. People see the pride that you take and what right. people see that you care. People see that you're giving maximum effort That's and right. people want those kind of people on their team. Period. Period. You know, <laughs> like, you know, and, and you're going to get opportunities right. because you strive to be that person on a day to day basis. Mm-hmm. Yes. Accolades are great. Right. Uh, you know, trophies right. and degree. Yes. That's, they're right. awesome. Right. You know, they're awesome but more so the fulfillment that you get from having those opportunities to impact lives in a positive way. Come on. That's it. That's it. And and that's what I'm saying. Your your impact, like, like you said, when we kind of started off on show before we started recording, like we are, we're we're on a mission to save lives. We're literally, we're talking to kids, we're saving lives. It's, It's life or death. Yeah. Right. Yes. It's life or death. It, it, yes. It's just like that. It, it's too many black and brown kids just not having someone to tell them that you can do it. Because many times, especially for you know historically marginalized kids, you hear so much times what you can't do, mm. what you haven't done, what you what you lack, your deficiencies. But how often do you hear, "Wow, like you really can do this if you apply yourself." Right, you really can be phenomenal. Like, okay, maybe we struggle on science, but you're really good at reading. So why don't we develop that? Like, you got to tell kids what they can do, and 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 really um, hone in on those strengths. And we all, all of us can grow in some area, but yeah. we're so quick to tell kids what they can't do, and tell their parents what they can't do, and then not giving them the tools for success to how to get there. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so for me, we're on a mission. When I'm talking to kids in the hallways, um, I, I have a program in my school called My School Sons, and it takes the program of mentorship to a whole nother level, because many of these many of these these minority males, brother, are are looking for someone to care about them, specifically a male. Yeah. Right. They don't have the father at the house. People are incarcerated, and so there's always mentorship programs. But I said I never can take the place of your father but I can give you what you need while you're here for these four years. And, and, and the teachers know if, if this one's getting on you, is it, it, trying something, let me know. I'm coming. And the kid knows I'm going to embarrass you out in front of you. I'm going to embarrass you in the hallway because you, not only do you represent yourself, you represent me. Right. And I want you to be successful, but they, they want that tough love, brother. They want someone to care about them, which is why we have so much um, gangs going on and people and people, you know, dying in the streets because they want to feel a part of a community or a family. So why can't we create that in a positive way in the schoolhouse? Love it. Love it. Well, before we get off, if you don't mind sharing with the audience where they can go follow you and check you out and show you some love. Absolutely, my brother. So for Twitter, that's my main social media, I would say. That's at Basil underscore Marin. Um, definitely reach out to me. Love to have a conversation with you about 
how can we how can you grow and how can you be successful um in your own right as well as how do we my, my main mission really if you know me is about equity and providing equitable opportunities for kids to be successful um so that definitely love to have a conversation you can also find me on my website at www.basilmoran.com um, and you definitely find my bio in there, resume and also opportunities for, to book me for speaking events, um, whether it be at your, your district, be at your school, um, be at a graduation. Um, definitely, again, my, my story, like I told my, I told my dissertation defense committee, I shouldn't be a unicorn. If we're doing education correctly, there's a lot more basils out here to get and to save and to, and to, and to, and to lift up and empower. Love it. Love it. Well, again, I just want to say thanks so much for taking the time to interview with the Success Chronicles. Truly appreciate your time and wish you continued success. Thank you so much, my brother. I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for checking out this episode. We'll see you next time. God bless. Go get it.